I had a partially developed sermon series um, for some point in the future. I'd kind of do that at the beginning of the year. I kind of try to plan a good portion of my year out, and I was trying to figure out where to fit this in. And as I say, it was partially uh, developed, but not fully. And uh, right at the end of last week's (coughs) sermon, I'm like, ah, there we go. I found a spot for it and filled in. Uh, So it dovetails with a, a verse we were actually looking at in, in last at the at the close of last week and, and also <clears throat> excuse me with a, a verse we, we looked at went through in our first Corinthians class here a couple of a couple of weeks ago. So we'll just introduce that. Uh, last week we, we ended with the thought said, since therefore Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the, the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And we were talking about uh, persecution last week and that the impact and and why that's in there when it's so different from from some of the the other or the rest of the beatitudes where the rest of them are kind of things that we're supposed to be doing or changing and that's just kind of something that happens to us and why is it different and and that that part about arming yourself and it jumped out at me uh, because I kind of had a sermon series that was in that that vein and uh, and, and then a couple of weeks ago, we were going through Second Corinthians in this verse. Uh, we went through, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. And we, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and, and take every thought captive uh, to obedience of Christ. So, so this is going to be the, the premise where these verses are going to comprise the premise of the, the next uh, series that we're going through, we're talking about our spiritual weapons. Uh, and so before we get into that, we want to kind of reintroduce, if this will be repeat material if you've been in our, our class uh, on, uh, on Sunday morning. If not, I encourage you to do so. Uh, but we are, we're going to be talking about, as we, we look at spiritual weapons, we notice that a, a thing that is common in these is that they are centered around thought. Right? They're, they're intellectual weapons. Uh, so um, God has designed warfare or spiritual warfare to be fought. And we know that. We said he says it's not a physical thing. Uh, if, my, if this was all a physical thing, my servants would fight. We kind of have a, a different kind of a fight. My kingdom's not physical. It's, it doesn't run on those principles. And so <clears throat> it would be easy for me you know, at this point, to, to just like, okay, let's go Ephesians 6, Roman, the, the Roman army's uh, uh, armor, and, and, and that would be a, a pretty easy outline. Um, I'm not going to do it quite like that. We're going to go a little bit deeper. Now, I, I realize that, that it's not just, you know, picking off a beatitude sermon is also kind of an easy outline. It's right there, uh, and we've done that. But I want to avoid that outline with... We've done that, I think, pretty recently. We went through Ephesians 6 in, in, in one of our previous Sunday morning classes here a couple of uh, books ago. But uh, we are going to kind of stop here for a second. I do want to get to Ephesians chapter 6 a little bit because it is quite appropriate. He says, put on the whole armor of God. We're not going to go through the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities, against the, the, the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, 
uh, firm. And so again, this repeats this same idea that, that this armor is designed to prevent against schemes. That, that we, are, we are fighting something that attacks us intellectually. And if we go through all of those pieces of armor, we're going to find that they are primarily aimed at the intellectual, spiritual side of us. Right? Truth. Uh, the belt of truth and, and, and faith and salvation. These are all spiritual concepts. They're all, but they're all rooted in some aspect of our intellect uh, that, that God is trying to develop to, to fight the schemes, the, the ideas, the, the, the tricks that Satan has to, to get us off of our spiritual path. Now, I'm going to try to thread the needle here a little bit between avoiding Ephesians 6 and, and going through it in detail. And so we are going to, to just look at one this morning. And uh, verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And what we are going to do today is we're going to look at three elements of our sword. Because this is, when we think of our weapons, this is where we, I think, our, our mind goes to. And, and it should. And I apologize for the weather change and <clears throat> the effect in my throat this morning. So I want to notice three things about the sword that they, they understood and, and how it applies to us spiritually. He used pictures. Paul used pictures for a reason. He picked things that they were familiar with. In whatever culture he was in, he'd pick out something. If he was in a farming community, used farming things, or uh, you know, or being Roman and uh, or having a Roman citizenship and being in a lot of larger cities, he used a lot of uh, sporting. Right? We're in a we're in a community. Of, I'm in a state that has a big sporting. And so so it, it would be understandable. I used a lot of sports. Well, well Paul used, in fact. We, we get, we're going to get into a reference, an athletic reference that, that Paul uses, even in this. Uh, so he tried to pick illustrations that people understood and could identify with, and they immediately recognized the things that he was talking about. So, so the elements of these, we're, we're not stretching to try to illustrate details from here that people would have said, oh, I recognize that. In fact, the Bible makes specific references to some of these little elements. Uh, so uh, before we, we get into uh, this, we notice that the sword, that, that we're talking about a particular sword, and it's called the gladius. And we're going to be focusing on the gladius. There were different Roman swords. Uh, but this was the one of use, and we're going to look at why this was uh, the, the sword of use. It was double-edged. Now, I thought that when I, whenever I've read this, I've thought that this was, you know, some statement about how advanced Rome was. I've, I've always thought that up until about a week ago. <laughs> until I'm doing research. I should have just called up Gabe and asked him. He's not here this morning. But I should have said, what? Well, he would have he filled me in. I actually had to do the legwork on this. And uh, I always thought it was because, you know, Rome invented this new technology called the double-edged sword. That's what I always thought of. But that's actually not true. In fact, the oldest swords 
invented were double-edged swords. Uh, these are the oldest swords known to man. Uh, they, they go like thousands of years B.C. It, it, that was actually the common sword. So, so why emphasize Rome's use of the double-edged sword? It was, it was because they kind of perfected it. Um, double-edged swords primarily were, were double-edged because they, they didn't have technology to make them sharp. So they needed two edges. Uh, and that's, that gets into kind of how they were used. Uh, this is kind of, I'm trying to be nice this morning. I mean, most of our really younger, younger, youngers are downstairs. But they didn't slash with them. Essentially, every swashbuckling sword fight great movie you've ever watched is wrong. Okay? Every one of them. Those things chip. <laughs> and they didn't, you know, all the great, great, uh, you know, you, you get about one swing with that and, and, uh, and you'll break your, break your sword. Uh, so you got to be really gentle with those things. Now, maybe, maybe today's steel, that might not be true. But back then it was true. Their steel was not so great. Their, their swords were piercing weapons. And that's kind of what they did. And, and so one, one side was really hard to get through, if you know what I'm saying. So, so they said, we're going to sharpen both sides, and that, that'll make the, the job a little bit easier. And that's why swords were double-edged. It was Rome's advancement on this wasn't the fact that, that they, they uh, had a new invention. Now, I want to look at Paul mixes a metaphor. And he's trying to get across the idea that war is a dangerous thing. In, in all of these pictures, as we, as we look at these. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says, The word of God is active and living sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And is discerning the joint, the, the thoughts, excuse me, the thoughts and intents of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but everything is exposed. It's, a, it's kind, of, kind of a gross picture, isn't it? He's, he's drawing on the gross picture of this. It's all kind of out there. The sword is kind of, and what happens, happens. That, it, it, he does this and he pulls out your, your insides. Your thoughts and intents of your heart are kind of open to the one who we have to give an account to. It's a dangerous war, the spiritual warfare. It has a great significance on your future. And so... <clears throat> We go back and we look at that athletic comparison that he, he went through. In, in, uh, he started off, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Right? We don't wrestle. Well, was that a comparison to? Well, that was a comparison to, to the Olympics. It's a sporting event. It's a competition. It was Greco-Roman wrestling, right? Uh, and, and we're not wrestling. This is sword play now, right? This is, this, is, uh, this is real stuff. This isn't like, okay, I pinned you, we go home. It's dangerous. 
And in the, 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 the main feature of armor is the sword. That's where our, the focal point is drawn to, visually speaking. It's not the central point. God says that the truth was the central point. But, but, the, but the, where your eyes are on is on the sword. And so, when we look at the world, the world is waging war. And they do it fiercely, but how are they waging war? How, how does the world, this is a different type of warfare. We're going to have to use it differently. The, the, the world wages war with, with violence. And I'm not even talking about physical violence. But, but if you think of spiritually, what they do, they hack and they abuse. <coughs> This is the way natural people think. We solve our problems with aggression. Just look at the world around you. Even in an emotional sense. I mean, it, sometimes it boils over into the physicality of things. Manipulate. Coerce. Let's use all of these different types of things. It's, it's blunt instruments that they want to use. Violence and, and all these different things that people want to be aggressive in the way they're going to try to convince you or persuade you to do what they want you to do or be the way they want you to be. And Jesus says we've got a different in, instrument And we expose two things. It makes two wounds. Or two sides of the wound, I guess you could say. My thoughts. We went through this. I'm not going to re-preach that or reteach that. We went through this in our class. But it affects our thoughts. And it affects my emotions. These are, these are the basis for the, the, the life course that we take and the, the things that we do and that we're going to have to answer for. As he says, he says the, the, the one who we have to give an account for, this is the weapon. And, and, and he's the one that sees all of this. And this double-edged sword, it opens up and it pulls out my thoughts and it pulls out my motives. The intents of my heart, my emotions, where, where am I being motivated towards? So that's the first element of our sword. We're going to look at the next one. It's sharp. We stay right here. He says it's sharper than to any, to any two-edged sword. And that's why, that, that's why the, the, the great use in, with, with Rome was, is not that it made a new weapon. It just made it better. I, I looked on a site. I was just... Curious to, to find, you know, where does this, this sword rate? You know, where does this sword rate? It is <clears throat> considered one of the four or five sharpest swords, the Roman sword, uh, the gladius specifically, in the history of humanity. Now, when you figure out how, how good our technology is today, and only a few swords ever, and, and, and three of those are like in the last 500 years, 
They're advanced. And, and everybody recognized. And this is the dominance. This is the dominance. It's not that they were the first one to have this. It's just theirs was better than everybody else. As soon as you see, a, like this left a lasting impression on people. You know, obviously for the ones who suffered it, it didn't last too long. But for the ones who observed this and, and were familiar with this, it's like, whoa, don't want to be near that thing. That is dangerous weapon. I mean, business. You know, Roman Roman encounters. You know, you, you watch a great sword. We talk about the sword play. I mean, those scenes are, I mean, choreographed and everything else. And I had five minutes, ten minutes. Uh, no, that's not really how it went. Uh, uh, a real movie based on real uh, swordsmanship in Rome would be a really boring sword scene because it's over in about five seconds. It was one and done. It was sharp. It was extremely sharp. I mix another metaphor here. Paul mixes another metaphor. He says, remind them of these things and, and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but it only ruins the hearers. <clears throat> Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, to be fair, I don't think he's talking about the sword here, the Roman sword. Uh, talks about rightly dividing, that is the word cutting. I've always thought that that was more of a surgical concept that he was trying to, you know, because it would be a weird, it would be a weird idea for him to cut a sword. You know, that would that would mix a metaphor, but there's an idea here. I think that a lot of people would would recognize even then that that this thing was extremely sharp. There was a statement I tried to track down where it. Would, came from but I couldn't find really the original source but there was a it was attributed to some uh, to some Roman commander or captain he had a complaint about one of the soldiers in his army who spent more time painting his shield than sharpening his sword <clears throat> they used to paint their family crest on you know kind of like uh, pilots in, in, in a war will paint you know paint up there they're playing that they're, you know, do some decal that's theirs or whatever. And, and then that, people would do that on their shield. They have their little family crest. And he said he, he's more interested in his family crest on his shield than he is sharpening a sword. One's going to do some, one's for decoration, one, one's for actually using it. And, and what we get into, the idea is that there's responsibility. And this is the, the idea that Paul's trying to convey here. Uh, to Timothy, it, it's, you, you, there's a degree of responsibility in the tools that you've been given. God has engineered a superior instrument. That, that's not up for debate. The scriptures are capable. They are the best thing that's ever been created in their field. Spiritually, there's, there's nothing that's going to, to replace it or be superior. However, the question is, how is yours? Right? How is mine? Have I kept the tarnish off of it? 
Mm. What God made is fine, but, but I'm not sure of the condition of my particular sword. Our, our kids, we, we're doing uh, homeschool. It's like homeschool, private school, public school, like all wrapped up in one. It's considered a public school, but we're homeschooling through a private school. It's weird. Uh, but it, it is kind of cool that still in the uh, United States of America, you can have an accredited uh, diploma where part of the official required curriculum to graduate is is the study of Scripture. That is kind of, you know, America hasn't gone to hell in a handbasket quite yet. Uh, that's, that's still a part of our culture. But I pointed out, I, I have to point out to them, I'm like, this is these are all good scriptures. You know, you're asked being asked to to memorize scripture. But as I point out to them, notice the verses that this particular curriculum is having you memorize. They all have a theme. So so, and like I say they're all great verses. They're, they're emphasizing faith and faith and faith and faith. And I was like, so so Adelaide's is going through, uh, hers is going through the, what they call the Roman road. Not sure if you're familiar with the Roman road, but it's all, all, the, all the verses about justification. There's going to be a lot of verses that she's going to, to memorize about justification and faith and grace. And, and, and those are all perfectly wonderful. But the Roman road is going to have a detour right before chapter 6. I know it. Because right? I'm familiar with the curriculum. The Roman road is going to miss a, an important segment of their journey. Uh, the same thing I point out. I pointed out with with uh, uh, with Julian's. I'm like, no, what's this one about? What's this one about? What's this one about? And he's starting to. They're starting to pick up what it what it is. They're starting to get familiar with where this particular curriculum is trying to get them to a theological idea that's incorrect using good verses. It's, it's important to sharpen the, the sword, sharpen and observe, and so, so, so that when they're older, they recognize these agendas, even though we've removed, you know, they're, they're not in a, they're not in a, a surrounding of a, a secular agenda, they're still agendas, and it's important to have the sword sharpened so they're willing or capable to, to see those things. It's important for us, each individually, to have and hone and sharpen that sword. God made it sharp. It's up to me to keep it that way. The third point. <clears throat> it was called the short sword. That's kind of that sounds like that sounds like an insult. So let's call it the maneuverable sword. That sounds better. Because that's why it was short. There were two swords, largely. There was, the, uh, there was this gladius, which was, was most popular at, the point, at this point in time. There was one called the spatha. There might have been more than that. But those were the two main swords. And the spatha was, it was longer. Uh, it, it, would be a, it would look a little bit more like we want to see our swords. Like, oh, yeah, nice longer sword. It was mostly used for two reasons, at least at this point in time. It ended up later replacing the, the gladius as, as people got more capable and figured out uh, different military techniques. But it was largely used either if you were in cavalry, you know, you're on a horse, 
a short, short thing, kind of a little, little difficult to use and do anything effective. The other main use for it was decoration. Just walk around with your cool big sword. Right? Your long sword, as they call it. But that's, you know, you'd be in a ceremony and you, who's going to go into a ceremony and some official big ceremony kind of little thing like that? You know, that's, that's, that's not that impressive. So they would use the big one that, that almost nobody used. But the effective one was the short one. There's a reason for it, a couple of reasons for it. As I said, we look at what it was used for. It wasn't a slashing weapon. It was hand-to-hand combat where you're this, where you're this close. I mean, it, it, if you've got this thing and you've got this much space to use it in, it's not that effective. I mean, if you're cutting things, well, great. But that's not what they were doing. So it wasn't effective. The other thing is, is weight. No, I know. It only weighed about a it's, it's like It's steel, and it only weighs a pound and a half, the gladius did. A pound and a half, that doesn't seem like that much. The spatha, like, okay, so it weighed more. It was 2.2 pounds, approximately, give or take, you know, what, which version of it you're using. That doesn't seem like much, does it? <clears throat> I like S-wing hammers. You like S-wing hammers? Uh, full metal. Oh, this, this is the one I have. I have, it's just a regular claw hammer. It's around 16 ounces. One pound. I, I would have thought it would be more than that. I don't know. Imagine just using this. This is your normal hammer, and you can't find that one. So, uh, so you use Big Blue for a day. For a day. See if you notice a difference. <laughs> I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't find mine, and my, my buddy, had, he had a big old framing hammer. Not quite that big. That's a 25 ounce. He had like a 20 ounce one. <sighs> okay, I'm not, he's like a bodybuilder. So I'm like, okay, fine. You got a big hammer. Man, I didn't use it for that long. I didn't use it for a whole day. I could feel it in my arm. I'm like, man, you swing this thing. Good grief. You notice, I, I can't imagine using that. You use that all day. This was maneuverable. And, and there's a point here. This is, this is not just me making stuff up out of the scriptures here that's not there. It's a different topic, but, but it illustrates a point. He's, in Romans 13, he's talking about government and authority. He says, rulers are, not a terror for, uh, rulers are not a terror to good conduct or good behavior, but to bad behavior. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Well, do what's good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. If you do wrong, be afraid, because he does not bear the sword in vain. He is the servant of God, the avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now, he's talking about being subservient to uh, authority that God's given. That's not really our topic today, but I want to look at one illustration, because what he's explaining to them applies to what we're talking about today. As we said, when people saw the soldier, you kind of... You got kids, right? You got kids, they see a police officer, what do they look at? Gun. Gun. Right? You're drawn, you're just, your eyes are drawn there, right? Gun. You look at his walkie-talkie. No, kids are... Gun. You see the Roman soldier. Sword. 
You notice it, especially then. Why? Because this one meant business. This one meant business. He, wasn't, he says, does he carry the sword in vain? Is he carrying a ceremonial sword? No, no. See, the, the Roman soldier was also a police officer back then. They just, they just did one job. It was just one position with multiple jobs, I should say. So you see the Roman soldier walking around. He's not carrying a ceremonial one. He's carrying the one that means business. And he knows how to use it. Right? So you, oh, we should be good today. <laughs> At least for the next few, few minutes. Right? So you say, listen, he doesn't carry this for no reason. He's good at using it. And he's willing to use it. He's been trained. And he will. So don't push him. It was maneuverable, in other words. And, and, and this, is, this is where I want to get to, to, to what we're talking about. It has a purpose. Our sword has a purpose. It should not just be ceremonial. Our, our, our Bible is not just ceremonial. talk about getting rusty but beyond my ability to know it my ability to use it is one part of that equation but like a Roman soldier am I willing to use it okay knowing it and having it sharpen sharp and sharpen like Mark comes up to me every week you got those knives you want me to sharpen no I can't find it I found it uh, okay. So I, I could get that thing all sharp. Listen, I don't got the purpose for it right now. I'm just telling you. I, I, I go hiking through the woods with a lot of stuff you don't need to hike with. That's what, that's what I've been doing for like three weeks. I've got a lot of extra hiking equipment. It has no need right now. <coughs> if I wanted to use it, I suppose it would be great to have it sharp, but... See, the, 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 use, the ability to use is one aspect, but, but I need to have the purpose for it. I, I need to be looking for the opportunity to use this great instrument and this great tool that God has given to me. Or am I carrying it around in vain for no reason? It's great. We all have it. Wonderful. Uh, we can have it when we forget our Bible at home. We can just do this. Neat. Do I have it for a reason? And so, I just need to take it off the shelf. I need to get it off of the shelf, both literally and figuratively. In other words, Sometimes it just kind of sit there. I, I got busy with my week. I got busy with my whatever. And it just kind of stayed there. I didn't sharpen it this week. Oh, don't sharpen it. And pretty soon, you know what's going to happen. It's going to look like those oldest ten swords. <laughs> it's going to all, yeah, that's not, you can even use that to open up a letter. <laughs> it's not just about familiarity. But it's my willingness, my willingness to take it off of 
wherever it's at, take the information from wherever it's stored at, and, and to be willing to put this into my interactions with people. Figuratively, it sits on a shelf. When we, when we deal with people and we have information that would really benefit their situation and, and they don't get to hear that, it's great that I know it. But it's just sitting on the shelf back here. And it's not doing anything for anybody. It might as well be rusty. And by the way, if it stays there, it's going to get rusty. Oh, I know that's in there somewhere. I haven't used it. Wow. How did that get rusty? I didn't do anything with it. Well, that's how it got rusty. Maybe. Maybe I've just gotten used to times of peace. We live, like I said, we live in a country that's peaceful. And maybe I've gotten used to the times of peace, and, and I've gotten used to riding around on my white horse with my ceremonial sword. Because that's, that's the nice, nice thing about living in our country. I don't live where I have to use it all the time. It's a mostly nice country. But if I get used to the, the ceremonial one, then I don't have access to my maneuverable one. The one that can be used to, to impact the society around me.